Facebook, and um, we have an awesome guest today. So this is our our, our mid month show. Is that we're a little off schedule, but uh, I did schedule this last year. So I'm super stoked that we could fit into Tom's busy schedule. Tom is a fellow San Diego State Aztec. Go Aztecs! He lives in Austin, Texas, and he's a, a speaker, an event prof, which. I'll qualify here in a sec, um, and a, a podcaster, but he started out as a marketer, and so it seemed to me like the perfect um, fit to have him on the show. Welcome, Tom. Thanks for having me. How is it looking in Austin today? Is it like a, like a springtime day? So it's been a little cold the last few days. I was actually in Chicago, and it was colder in Austin, and it was like 25 degrees in Chicago, so schools were closed, and it was frozen. But uh, I think day after tomorrow, we're going to be 72 degrees. So we'll, we'll have San Diego weather on Saturday. That's awesome. Well, that's the thing about Texas, right? And and Colorado, I feel like you just wait a minute. Well, they say the same thing about Chicago. Just wait yeah, a minute like and the weather will change. That's right. If you don't like the weather, it's going to change. I did golf in Colorado once where we literally had four seasons in 14 holes. It was <laughs> really, it blew my mind. I, I couldn't believe it. So, um so he, I mentioned he's a speaker. He's a certified speaking pro by the National Speaker Association, which is a, a really big deal. And so by virtue of that, I consider him to be an event prof. And I met him at the PCMA Convening Leaders Conference. Um, you're not this January, but the previous um, in Vancouver. Uh, and he's a podcaster and he's got a, a podcast called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So, um, but he did get a, his start in all this madness through marketing. So I wanted you to tell us, tell that story, because I think it's just, it's a super cool story. So I started out, actually, I was a salesperson, and I really liked the marketing people and the companies I worked for, and I started getting really involved with the American Marketing Association, and an opportunity came up from one of my clients, and I, at the time, was a salesperson, and I sold to law firms. And one of the big law firms, it was a California-based firm in San Francisco, but with 10 offices around the country, they came to me and said, would you be interested in hanging up your sales hat? Because back then, especially law firms didn't have salespeople. In fact, you couldn't even say the word sales inside a law firm because that was considered like wrong. And they said, you know, we think you do a great job. And the company I worked for was pulling out of Austin. And so they wanted me to move to Houston and, and I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave Austin. And the law firm came to me. They were my biggest client. And they said, what if you became our marketing person? But we really let you sort of design the position around yourself. So I became sort of a hybrid marketing person and salesperson. They gave me sort of the, the mantra of biz dev. But my job was that I was busy promoting the lawyers. My job was to protect and promote the image of the firm 24-7. And I loved that job. I did it for four years. I moved with a group of lawyers to a second firm. And uh, so that's how I kind of got into marketing. And then I stayed in that, that realm for several more years. I love that. In fact, I wrote, I wrote a blog post today about uh, – companies focusing too much on a, 
a position and whether someone fits in that square peg rather than hiring for people or or skills and and culture fit and knowing this is somebody we know we want as part of our organization and so what what could he or she do um to still stay with us and help help the business grow and um so that's that's awesome and it was only it wasn't like it forever ago right that was like uh it was 15 years ago I went to work for the law firm 15 years ago, and so it's it's been a long time since I did that. Yeah, I was kind of teasing because, like, same thing. I kind of I shocked myself today when I um when I realized how many years it had been because I wrote another blog post talking about my first job out of out of school. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, no, it couldn't have been that many years ago. I'm still 25. How is that? Well, I think I think I'm a little older than you, but we both left San Diego State kind of within the same re- the same era. And I laugh when I look at it because it, it has been a lifetime ago when I look at, you know, how long it's been since I was 22 or 23 years old. I mean, it's almost been two decades, but uh, it's it's all good. I know. And I get around the, the collegians at, uh, at San Diego State and I think they they really I'm that old woman that that used to come around and. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, my 16-year-old daughter, we just took her on a tour. We we signed up and got a, a college tour of San Diego State, and uh, I actually walked around the campus going, wait a minute, I'm the dad on the college tour at my own campus. That's frightening. That is frightening, and your fraternity house is a parking lot. That's right. The, the Beta Theta Pi chapter at San Diego State got not only closed down, it got bulldozed, and it is literally a parking lot. So when we were there, my wife literally looked at it and said, well, they paved paradise and put up a parking lot. Exactly. That's so funny. I was just singing that song in my head. Hilarious. Um, I want to say hi to Jen Cole and Elizabeth Glau. They are uh, they're on the live and they are my uh, co-hosts for this show. So on the hour shows, uh, the two of them are on. Thank you. And uh, and then Elizabeth also uh, said, great topic. I was lucky to find a company that created a job for me. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what's so awesome when you're out in the wild. Right. And like you meet someone and they know that that there's a place for you because of who you are and then make it for you. That's just awesome. I love that. Um, and that's what happened with the law firm. They, they literally, they, their marketing person was leaving and they interviewed three or four people and it came down to me and another person who had a background as a legal marketing executive. And I came out of sales in a whole different area. And the other person was shocked when I was hired. One of our mutual friends told her they wanted him. They, they created the position around him because they thought that he could do it differently. They weren't looking for another legal marketing person. They were looking for somebody who would go out there and, and recreate it. And I think when companies do that, it's awesome. Totally. 100%. And hi, Alex. Alex Blackson's also on. We've got Love, uh, lots of friends. Yeah, he and, and, and uh, Nick, Nick popped on for a sec. I don't know if he's still on or not. But um, Nick Borelli. So I love when former guests, too, come on because – uh, it's, it's all about, it's all about the podcasting love and speaking of, so that was kind of what I want to ask you about next. Tell us about cool things entrepreneurs do. And, um, and then I have a, if you want to share maybe one thing, uh, that you could recommend for new podcasters starting out, what, what would be your, like your biggest pearl of wisdom? Sure. So I, I just recorded my, or I just released my 325th episode. So I've been doing this for a little over three years. I have a show that comes out twice a week. As you said, it's called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And it grew out of a series of blog posts I used to do on my blog called Cool Things My Friends Do, because I blogged for 10 years and I got tired of just telling people what I thought or my thoughts about marketing and sales and 
business development. And I, and I started looking around at cool things my friends were doing. And I started writing whether it was they took a, a ride on a motorcycle across the country or they got a new job or they released a book. And then the podcasting stuff really started to get hot three and a half, four years ago. And I was at a conference and somebody said, look, if you really want to get out of a rut, and I think I was feeling that way, they said, interview 50 people. And I thought, I'm going to do that for my blog. I'm going to do 50 interviews and that'll get me inspired and I'll see successful people. And then everybody was like, Tom, you should make that a podcast. And, and again, four years ago, everybody who breathed air was being told to start a podcast. And I thought, well, cool things my friends do. Nobody cares what Tom Singer's friends do. But most <laughs> of my friends... Most of my friends were entrepreneurs, so I, I sort of retooled it and made it cool things entrepreneurs do. And I ask people who are solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and just sometimes people who have jobs but are really entrepreneurial in the way they do them, I ask for their advice on how anyone out there can get more entrepreneurial and, and do more in their career. And the show's been going for three plus years, and there was just an article on Inc.com that named it one of eight podcasts for entrepreneurs to listen to in 2018. And I will be honest, that took a big jump in my listenership after that came up. So keep listening. I'm so happy for you. That's amazing. Like seriously, Rad. Like I wrote it down because I was like, I have to say something about that. That's so. That's so. So I have to know before I ask. Before we get to the other question, because now I'm just twice a week. That's a lot of work. So do you have you like created shortcuts for yourself on prep and and production and how do you how do you Go about. So I work from the beginning. I've worked for the production company called Podfly Productions, Mm -hmm. and uh, they're now a sponsor of my show because I've told so many people about them and how great they are that they finally came to me and said, "Okay, keep that up, but let's let's make this a formal deal." So I want to like they are my sponsor, but uh, the the reality is is that having a production company, I just have to do the interviews. They do all the editings. If I have a coughing fit or my guest forgets their name or something like that, they can go and edit it out and make it all sound seamless. They do all the posting. They, they make sure I'm all up to date so that it's going to iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and my, you know, my own blog and everything else. And that's great. So that's uh, doing it twice a week. But it's hard because you have to constantly be thinking about how do I get different guests? And I went through a phase where I just interviewed a lot of other speakers and authors because those were all my friends. And it was easy to get my friends on the show, but now I'm interviewing larger company people. And so I have to plan ahead a little bit more. But yeah, it's, I mean, even if you're doing the show once a month, it's work and and you have to do it consistently or you're never going to have an audience. No, for sure. So Alex um, says, I care what Tom Singer's friends do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Alex, if I was still doing cool things my friends do, you would certainly be on the show for sure. So that's, that's good. That's awesome. So I went to a San Diego MPI uh, local chapter event here the other day, and they had some breakouts. And uh, I attended the one that was called Harnessing Your Entrepreneurial ADD. <laughs> it was uh, it was really cool because it was, I mean, of course, a lot of times there's things you just need to hear. You just need to like have things reiterated, like, you know, don't look too far out. Chunk things, you know, set goals, but set quarterly goals and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I don't really see myself as an entrepreneur necessarily, but I, I, I do have my own business and, and I do find myself, it's a challenge to, um, to how to focus on clients versus my own business. And I'm going to ask you about that, um, here in a minute, but, uh, Alex wants to know how you keep your podcast fresh. Well, part of it is, is, is really trying to look out of the box for guests. So, you know, if I, if I get a chance to go to a conference where there's new people 
I always have my radar tuned in. Uh, I interviewed a guest today. It'll come out next week. And he owned a business in Florida that he still has. He's got 70 employees, but his wife wanted to live in Austin. So they moved here and he runs the business remotely, but he's also started his own coaching program because he loves working with entrepreneurs and helping them grow. And Everything he said, it was like we were kindred spirits, the way he looked at entrepreneurship, the way he looked at all this stuff. And so I immediately, we were at a table. We got both invited to a dinner by J.B. Glossinger from Morning Coach. And he knew him really well. And J.B. was coming to Austin. We don't really know each other, but he invited me to join him for dinner. And this guy, I was like all over it. I'm like, you have to be on the show. And that was a week ago. And I interviewed him today. So I'm, I'm always looking for someone who, who gets that little hair on the back of my neck to stand up. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I'm looking for bigger company people now, uh, and things like that. So you just have to shake it up with who your guests are. Totally. Speaking of getting the hair standing up on your neck, Brian Fanzo says, two rock stars watching uh, from the plane. <laughs> I am the biggest fanboy of Brian Fanzo. He, he he doesn't know it, but I'm after I'm after his Steelers tickets next fall. So he's he's one of my favorite people. That is awesome. Uh, I want to buy, buy his Steelers tickets for one game next fall and take my my daughter's boyfriend. They live in Pittsburgh. So. Oh, excellent. Yeah. You, well, you're not alone there. Everyone's a fan of the Fanzo. I mean, what a name. <laughs> That's another. It so cracks me up. Like uh, a race car driver named Speed and yeah, a tennis that. player named Smash Nova. Like that's. I mean, I use obviously Powers. I got I got pretty lucky with my last name. So Powers and Marketing is named my business, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm definitely been utilizing that. Yeah. Um, well, here's the trick. I can't sing. In fact, <laughs> I got asked at church not to sing. Oh, okay. Well, hey, know thyself. <laughs> Alex said PCMA is in Pittsburgh next year, so maybe you could time playoffs. There you go. There you go. Or, or I could go twice. Any, <laughs> any, chance, any chance I get to go see my kid who lives there, it's great. She's a student at Carnegie Mellon. Oh, right on. Very cool. Okay, so what is the, um, what's the one like little nugget that you would give to a podcaster just starting out? So you have to have a long-term vision. I mean, my show, like I said, this article on Inc.com really kind of exploded some of the listenership going on in the last month or two. But I will tell you that, you know, if I had quit after 50 shows or if I had said, oh, my listenership's not high enough at year two, I'm going to move on. It's really a long tail deal. I'm surprised how many episodes that are two and three years old still get downloaded and still get listened to. So if you're going to do the podcast, you, you know, you can't go in. There's all these people who have courses on how to make a million dollars with a podcast. I, I don't know anybody who makes money except the person with that course. The reality is, is you have to go in with a set of realistic reasons of what you're trying to accomplish and you have to be there for the long term. This last year, I picked up two speaking gigs or actually one was a master of ceremonies gig and one was a speaking gig. And it came about from regular listeners who were involved with an association who just said, oh, this guy should be on our short list of people that we look at. And the association looked at me and they hired me. And it, you know, if I didn't have the podcast, I never would have gotten those two events. And the way my business works is I get spinoff years later. So I don't even know what those two events could be worth over a lifetime. So you have to be patient and you have to know why you're doing it. And if you're doing if you're not famous and you're starting a podcast to get famous, I think that's a that's a tough road. But if you're doing it to help, you know, uh, help market your brand, help support what you do. And I use it as sort of learning. I've interviewed 300 entrepreneurs and asked them for advice. It's like having 300 professors coming into my living room. Totally. This is episode eight, man. I didn't ask you that question by accident. <laughs> <laughs> hey, long tail. When you're up to episode 308, you'll be like, this was the best thing I ever did. Yeah. 
No, for sure. And it's about building community and, uh, you know, uh, trying to give back to the community and all that kind of good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, for me personally, it's not like a, I don't expect to see a direct correlation on my bottom line, uh, you know, in the next month or anything. So <laughs> I will tell you where it's given me a lot is it's part of my introduction when I speak to either corporations or associations. You know, it's my bio is like everybody else's bio. Tom has done this. He's done that. He's written books. And then it said and it's the host of the I think it says wildly popular. No, it doesn't say that. he's the host of the cool <laughs> thing. The cool things entrepreneurs do podcast that is now topped over 325 episodes over three years. I'll go in and speak for an hour. And I like to think I do a great job when I'm on stage. I, I give a speech. People come up to me afterwards and they go, I just downloaded your podcast. It's like, you know, I talked about other stuff. Like for an hour, we talked about the other topic. But people get really into it and they get really excited that I have 300 episodes. So I think there's power and longevity when, with podcasting. No, for sure. So uh, Alex has a question that's closely related to, to one that I was going to ask. What's your best advice when marketing your your podcast to listeners? And my question was going to be like, how do you um, uh, divide that time between marketing your own business and your own podcast versus the time you spend on actually uh, on your clients um, preparing? And obviously, you travel a lot and all that kind of stuff. So, so I think. I, I think the biggest problem is, is I haven't figured out how to market it. You know, right now I get a little over a thousand downloads per episode. Some of them get up to 2000 if the guest is really proactive. But that's not that doesn't put me in the, the realm of like Entrepreneur on Fire or some of these other podcasts. So I don't really know the answer to, to how do you best market your podcast. But what happens is, is that if you do a good job and you do it consistently and people start to like about it, they talk about it, you get written up about it. You're on other people's podcasts. Some people go, oh, I'll go listen to his show. It sort of is a long tail for that. But then to answer right. your question about how, how do you balance the two, you know, I use my social media as the main marketing tool for my podcast. It's probably not the main marketing tool for my speaking business. I mean, I use it for that, but I don't think a lot of meeting professionals who are out there and, you know, sales managers who are looking for people to come speak to their meetings, I don't think they're going, hmm, I wonder which speaker is tweeting a lot. So, I don't think I, I, I think that stuff helps. I think social media is a wonderful tool to help keep the reputation alive, but uh, I don't get a lot of speaking business because of it, but I do drive some listeners to uh, my podcast. And even though the topic of entrepreneurship and the topics I speak on, they overlap a little bit, but I'm not an entrepreneur speaker. I, right. You know, I'm not, that's not, entrepreneurship isn't my topic that I speak on. It does bolster up my topic of reaching your potential and my topic of really connecting with people in this gadget crazy world. So my marketing all sort of does blend together. I wish I was better at it. I was a much better marketer when I worked for the law firm or the bank or the consulting firm because it was easy for me to market other people. I'm the product and I always still to this day feel weird going, my podcast is great. Right. So, no, totally. or, my, or, or I'm a great speaker. You should hire me. So uh, I haven't figured out the secret sauce on how to do it to answer that question, but I keep out there. I keep it. I keep doing what I'm doing. Right. Do you write? Do you have, create a marketing plan for yourself for the year? I, I yes and no. I mean, I don't. I don't have a direct marketing plan that I follow. I don't do a. Uh, um, what's the thing called? A uh, where I spell out what my themes for my podcast are going to be. A pu um, I'm blanking on the term, but but publications use it. You know, the calendar. I I don't do yeah. that. But I do sort of have a plan of what I want to accomplish. And most of my speaking business work comes from word of mouth. So it's just staying involved in the community of the community of the meetings world, in the community of the sales world. 
and then uh, also in the speaker world because I get a lot of referrals from other speakers, uh, probably more so than a lot of people. So I stay really active in that world as well. So for those of us, or for those who might have joined late, uh, this is Tom Singer, and he is a professional speaker and has a podcast called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Um, so all good stuff. Uh, Alex had one more question, we'll, and then we'll move on from the, um, in terms of podcasting, wondering uh, how did you find your voice and has it evolved over the course of three years? Like, have you seen oh, yeah. change? <laughs> totally. In fact, if you were to go back and listen to the first few episodes, I think I'm scared shitless. I mean, I think I'm like, you know, really afraid somehow I'm going to hurt my brand. And I'm like trying to be interview boy. Yeah. And I'm, you know, asking, and I had very, I had very set questions. And the questions I asked have evolved a little bit, but they're probably 80% still the same questions I've always asked. However, I am more free now when somebody says something to go tell me more about that. And I don't worry if my show goes long. And so if we go off on a tangent, I can still get to all the questions or I can skip questions if I feel this interview's played itself out. So I am much freer about just letting the conversation go wherever it's going to go. So that's the, the, the first piece of that. The second thing is, is that I read a thing years ago before I was a professional speaker that before you were truly going to be great, you had to give 300 speeches. And at the time I thought, well, I'll never get that far. Well, now that I've done 750 professional level speeches over the last more than a decade, I will tell you that there's something magical about that 300 number that you do get, you get your confidence on stage after you've given a lot of speeches. And maybe for some people it's 150, maybe for some people it's 400, but for me, 300 was magical. And with my podcast was approaching the 300th episode, I got really comfortable. Just it's like we're in a bar having a conversation. And so I think I found my voice through experience. That's awesome. Well, and that's why I love live. On, on social, it, it, it was sort of the same thing for me in the beginning, um, just, you know, kind of being afraid to be on camera, being afraid I would flub. And um, <laughs> I think that it helps that no one expects per perfection on live video. Um, right. I always strive for perfection, um, never really hit it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but I like these mid-month episodes where you know, we record, we can see each other on video when we're recording the podcast normally too. So that helps a little bit. Did you, in the beginning, did you do it? Was it by phone or did uh, you no. always? Yeah. I always use Skype or now I use Zoom to do the recording. So I've always had that video option. The problem is Skype, at least three years ago, used to get a little wonky. So we'd often turn the video off so that you get a better stream. Zoom, I switched over to that a year, year and a half ago. It seemed to be a little more stable, although I think Skype is probably better now too. Uh, just because as technology goes forward, I like having the video on, even though I never record the video. My show is just audio. I do like having it on because you can see the other person. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so um, how many how many days on the of the year do you think you're on the road? Just uh, so last side. year it was I for speaking and for the master ceremony stuff, because the MC stuff can be three and four days when I'm there. Uh, a lot of speakers fly in and fly out. It's a one night trip. My average trip is two or three nights. So I was on the road about 120 days, a little more than that last year. Okay. That makes sense. So when you MC, you're, what you're trying to do is, is like string everything together, right? Like kind of weave the, from speaker to speaker and presentation to presentation, kind of like make it all make sense together for the audience. Yeah, and I use I, I do a thing I call the conference catalyst, which is my job is to really change the the nature of how people 
really behave at the conference. So my goal is to get people to talk to each other more. We live in a world where people are crazy on their gadgets. And so my content from the, the keynote I've been doing for several years has been connecting with people in a gadget crazy world. And so I usually open the conference either as the keynote speaker for the first morning or if they already have a keynote speaker, I try to get them to give me 15 or 20 minutes and I do what I call the pre-note. And I kick it off with this content about what, what can we do? And then I turn it around a little bit and say, how do we make this the best conference you'll ever go to? And meeting planners like it because the people are like, yeah, let's make this the best conference. And I just tell them what to do. And then throughout the rest of the time as MC, I'm weaving together the themes of all the speakers, kind of recapping. But I'm also emphasizing that whole piece of how do we connect better? And with my new content on potential, it still works the same way. I can do the whole thing about the gap between potential and results. And I spin it around and say, what about this conference? We have a lot of potential the next three days. How can we make this the best conference ever? And it's the same theme with the other content. And I just weave that through over the whole three or four days of the conference. That's fantastic. That's my favorite kind of MC. Uh, I like funny people, but, and I know you're funny too, but meaning <laughs> you aren't just up there trying to be funny. Yeah, I'm not a juggler. I'm not a magician. I'm not a comic, but you know, I'm, I don't bill myself as a humorist, but the audience will laugh at, you know, every time I'm on stage. So I, I try to, I try to keep it fun rather than funny. Right. So is, since you mentioned gadgets, it's a good segue into my next, my, uh, what's your, you have a latest new app or gadget that you want to share with our so, viewers? You know, I, I thought about this because I knew you were going to ask this because you ask everybody this. And, and I'd love to say that I'm Tom, the gadget guy, and that I'm always on top of the new stuff. You know, I'm, I'm always the guy who wants to say, you know, oh, uh, I don't know. It's my iPhone in general. But the, the truth is the newest app I got was actually a Christmas present. So I, I mentor this young gentleman who's I know, he's 28 years old. And we met like four years ago and he's just never gone away. He now calls me dad. And we really do have sort of a father-son relationship. I, I love the kid. He's a good guy. In fact, my kids asked, he's not in the will, is he? And I said, no. And the kids are like, okay, it's, you can still be friends with him. then, As long as yeah. he's not inheriting anything, this relationship is, is approved. But uh, without him having to, he sent me a Christmas present. And he sent me a thing that was called Movie Pass. And essentially, I get free movies at 4,000 theaters around the country, unlimited for the next six months. And it's an app. So when I'm traveling, if I have a free night and I'm traveling by myself, if my wife doesn't come with me and I have nothing to do, I can go see the latest movie just by clicking an app on my phone. Uh, you know, in, in like one click, I can buy a seat, pick the seat and I can pick something. It'll, the GPS will you know, send me to the theater that's closest to the hotel in whatever city I'm in. And so I'm, I just got this for Christmas. I haven't used it yet, but I have a free night in Orlando next week. So I might give it a go. Wow, that's amazing. So it's called Movie Pass. It is called Movie Pass, and it's the uh, the logo of it. It's just a red square with a white M in it. If you're looking it up, that is fantastic. I, love I, have that. No idea, I have no idea what he paid for it, but it came with like a little Visa prepaid credit card. But I can put it into the app, and uh, it's unlimited, I guess, for six months. Nice. Haven't used it yet, but I'm really excited about it. Yeah, Thanks, well, Jake. I, appreciate I, that, Jake. Getting a free night uh, when you're uh, out on show site is. Uh, like gold too, right? <laughs> that that doesn't happen very often, at least no. for me. No, it doesn't. So is that the next uh, random city you'll be running in? Yes, Orlando will be my next city. And if I'm fortunate, it should be warm enough. I was in Chicago yesterday and the day before, and it was 14 to 25 degrees. And so I did not go out for a run. But uh, I'll be in Orlando on Monday. And I think maybe I can maybe I can go put in a couple miles. 
yeah, that's one of my favorite. I love seeing your all your posts about like you're ran, running in you're like in every city across the country. Yeah, well, what, what people need to know is that I weighed 30 pounds more two years ago and I had never run a mile in my life. So this running thing, I took up running at 49 years old and uh, I ran a half marathon. And after you do a half marathon, everybody tells you once you do a half, you're going to want to do a whole. And the reality is, is they're lying. I have no desire to even run another half marathon, but I do still run you know, three to five miles, about three days a week. Yeah. So I, I uh, had a goal to run a half and then, um, did it and thought, and then I wanted to do the triple in San Diego. We have a triple crown, which is if you do these three mar half marathons that are within this seven month period, you get an extra special medal. So nice. I decided to do that for the bling. Right. And, um, yeah, but never again. My, yeah. my distance running days are yeah. gone. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So I um, all right. So I want to remind everyone that you can find Making a Marketer on iTunes. Um, we're going to have a newly launched blog here in a couple weeks. So right now, iTunes is the spot. Um, we are on Twitter at Make a Marketer, and you can find me on Twitter at Megan Powers. Tom, what's your? Uh, how can people find you? Everything is at TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. But I'll tell you a secret. If you spell Tom T-O-M and go to TomSinger.com, T-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com, you'll still get there. It'll redirect. I, I figured, yeah, you got to do that because it's not all that intuitive, right? No. People would, people, I don't know why when people go from Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, to Tom, I don't, I don't know why they take out the H. I, I just got rid of the ass. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> My dad's a Tom. No, uh, my dad's a no H Tom. So. Yeah, most are. Most are. Yeah. My, my daughter dates a young man who uh, is, is from San Diego and he goes by Thomas and he only goes by Thomas. He's he's not Tom. He's not Tommy. Uh, but uh, I always tell people. So he's he's a math genius. And I always tell people his name's Thomas. He's from and my name's Thomas. He's from Southern California. I'm from Southern California. He's a genius. Well, two out of three. He's like <laughs> two out of three is like your dad. Yeah, nice. Um, I had a professor in college who was a, a TH Tom, and uh, he always mispronounced my name, and I feel like he, he then was doing it just to spite me. And uh, I called him out on it, and he he thinks you know he was calling me Megan and not Megan. And I you know he's like, oh, it's too subtle. I go, okay, so can I call you Thom? No, he said you better not. <laughs> yeah. No, you can, actually you can't. No. So that kind of ended that. Um, <laughs> so I want to thank you for coming on. I know you're um, a busy dude, um, but I know you also uh, appreciate the plight of the of the podcaster, and um, always love having good guests on. So uh, I do it. And thank you everyone who was on the live. I really uh, appreciate all of the the questions and the activity. This was super fun. And uh, for those who listen on the replay, thank you very much for that. And uh, on the podcast. This has been episode eight of Making a Marketer, and we will catch you next time. Bye.